0: Good morning. Everybody well? It's great to see everyone. I'll echo what's already been said. It is so encouraging to see so many here in the parking lot. Great crowd, great morning, beautiful day. Glad if you're worshiping with us online as well. It is a good day to be together. I want to ask you a question. Have you ever missed out on something important because you weren't present? Just last year in Arizona, Someone bought a winning lottery ticket that ended up being worth $14.6 million. And I say someone because we don't know who that person was. They never showed up to claim that money, despite having 180 days to do it. Now, that was a record for an unclaimed prize in the state of Arizona, but not for the United States as a whole. The record in the U.S. is actually $77 million back in 2011. Again, somebody had 180 days to claim that money and just never never realized it or, you know, never got around to showing up to get that money. Myself, I probably go ahead and set an outlook reminder for that. Um, That's just me to each his own. But someone missed out big time. Sometimes not being present costs you more than money. You remember that famous song, The Cats in the Cradle? Ring a bell. If you aren't familiar with that song, it's a an old song. It's written in the voice of a father. He's writing, he's kind of recounting the life of his son as he grows up. And as the boy is little, of course, he wants to spend all this time with his dad, and the dad's never available. He's never there for his boy. He's either traveling or he's got bills to pay, the song says. He's just busy all the time. He's never there when the son needs him. So then the boy grows up. The dad then wants to spend time with the son, and you guessed it, now the son does not have any time to spend with his father because, wait for it, he's grown up to be just like him. It's very dramatic, it's a very preachy song, it fits well in a sermon, but that's how it goes, missed out on something very important. We can all be, probably all come up with personal examples of this kind of thing. There's a story in our family that gets brought up all the time, often by me, and it's much to the extreme annoyance of my dad and somewhere my dad is watching, he's not here in the parking lot, he's watching online, something and he's already shaking his head in disgust at just that brief intro because he knows what's coming. See, my dad was not there when I was born. He was not in the room. To his credit, he was in the building. It's just that he happened to be eating a cheeseburger in the Mercy Hospital cafeteria when I was actually delivered. And if you ask him about that, he will be very, very quick to Say that the doctor just assured him, promised him that the delivery, he had all kinds of time. It was going to be a long time before the delivery actually happened. He comes back out to the room, and then lo and behold, there I am. And that's probably true. I have no reason to doubt that. Then again, I don't remember it very well personally. I was zero, so I don't know. What I do know is that not long after that, my dad wrote the song, The Cat's in the Cradle. And. (laughs) I want you, you should ask him about that the next, he loves to talk about it, so definitely bring that up, ask him about it the next time you see him, and rest assured that I have absolutely no lingering resentment or deep, deep-seated issues about that at all, just none. I mean, who doesn't love a good cheeseburger, right? So I don't blame him one bit. Point is, presence is important, right? I mean, key moments and opportunities, they get missed when we're absent, Now certainly that's a truth that you can apply to an unhealthy degree. What's FOMO? Someone just say it out. F-O-M-O. Fear of missing out. Kind of a popular acronym these days. And so it is really true. People can develop real anxiety and even compulsions in their fear of missing out that lead to unhealthy behaviors. And that's not what I want to talk about this morning. I don't want to promote obsessions with being present for everything all of the time. That's not what we want to talk about this morning. I simply want to talk for a few minutes about how, as a general rule, there is power in our presence, and I think that's especially true when we talk about missions. Last week, Phil kicked off a three-week series that we are calling Disruptive Witness, And it's going to culminate next Sunday, as Scott said, in Mission Sunday. I'm really excited. We're going to have an opportunity once again to collect our annual special contribution that goes to support mission efforts and missionaries all over the world. And so this particular series of lessons that we're in is focusing on the growth and the spread of the early church in the book of Acts. And so Phil talked last week about how the history of that early church and the history of the church in general is that the church has grown through the years, not in spite of disruption, but actually in large part because of it. That God moves both amidst and through times of great disruption. So we were challenged personally last week to examine our own motivation for missions. And that's a really good question for us to ask. Are we too comfortable and too complacent and too sedate in our modern lives, or are we truly motivated to follow God's lead and to share in His story, because living out the mission of God requires that desire in us. It also, however, requires our presence and our proximity, and that's what I want to look at for a few minutes this morning. So open up your Bible, open up your, your device to Acts chapter 8. The story we're going to look at today is one of my favorites actually in all of the Bible. There's just something satisfying to me in reading the story of Philip and the Ethiopian. I think it's that the picture of missions we get in this story is just so vivid and distilled if that makes sense. I mean, it's it's just two people. It's two people they're one on one. They're talking about Jesus and what he's done for them and what he's done for everybody in fact. They're from two different cultures and places and yet they're instantly bonded forever by the power of Jesus sacrifice. And the Ethiopian understands that right away. He gets the import of it. He makes his decision instantly. He doesn't hesitate or delay. He's baptized. He rejoices about that fact. Philip moves on to preach to his next person, his next audience. It's just this perfect, succinct, joyful image of the sharing and spread of good news. I mean, I want to experience encounters like this one, don't you? I want to be a part of a story like this. Now, there's a lot you could say in response to that. You could talk about how our time and our place and our context is so much different than it was back in the first century where this story takes place. You could probably say that, you know, in my experience, even if I'm motivated and present, things don't happen quite this quickly and neatly with people. You can point out that obviously there's some direct divine intervention in this story, and maybe that happens a little differently than we experience today. Now, some of that, all of that maybe is true, and yet there's this profound, very compelling lesson in the story that I think is timeless, and it is completely relevant to us in our modern times. The key of it is in the very first part of the story. It's in this very simple instruction to Philip, and it's a profound instruction And it's the simple message I want us to take away from our study today as well. So, Philip is an evangelist. He's a missionary, and an angel of God has sent him on this specific mission. He's been told to go to the road between Jerusalem and Gaza, and he doesn't know exactly what he's going to find there, but he does what he's told, and he sets out on this journey. Along the way, he encounters an important government official from Ethiopia who's returning home in a chariot, and it's at that moment that Philip receives what I think is one of the key evangelistic lines, not only in this story, but I don't think it's a stretch to say this is one of the key evangelistic lines in this whole part of the Bible that talks about the spread of the gospel and the establishment of the early church. And here's what we read. The Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Stay near it. If you got to boil the whole message down to one Concrete, important truth that is it. Stay near, be present. It's in that simple, profound instruction that we receive a really important and essential lesson about our ability to influence others for Jesus. And it's that there is no substitute for our presence and our proximity. Philip doesn't know what he's going to be asked to do. There's no detailed game plan that he gets handed in this assignment. He doesn't know what door specifically is going to open. He's simply pointed to a person and told to stay near, told to remain close, to be present, to stay close by to that person, because it's only when we are close by that we're able to walk through the door that opens up. And so in light of that, let's look at three lessons today that help us tap into the power of presence to expand the kingdom of God. And firstly, I just want to say this. We have to partner with those who are present. That's the first lesson we learn. We have to partner with those who are present. It is never a bad idea to be reminded of why we do what we do, especially in times of great disruption and uncertainty like we find ourselves in Right now. And so let me remind you, or let me maybe tell you for the first time Memorial Road Church of Christ was founded with the idea of being a missional church, a church where missions was front and center. It's part of our core founding DNA to partner in the spread of the gospel in places far and near. And so we need to remember that. And we need to remember why that is the case, why we place importance on that part of our identity. It's because we see in these stories of Christianity's inception and spread that one of the central functions of the local church from day one was to support missionaries, to be partners with those who were present in other places, those who were on the ground preaching and teaching and establishing relationships and meeting physical needs, people like Philip and people like Paul, and it won't surprise you that Paul didn't mince words on this subject. In his first letter to the church in Corinth, Paul says, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. In other words, it is the church's foundational responsibility to support those who are sharing the message of God in places all around the world. But it's not just that. It's not just a responsibility, It is a great privilege for us to be a part of God's larger story in this very specific way. When Paul writes his second letter to the church in Corinth, he describes churches in Macedonia. And the way that he describes those churches is exactly how we should want to be described as a church as well. Listen to what he says He says, out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy, speaking about these Macedonian churches, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. I testify they were they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. This is my favorite part of it, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing. In this service to the saints. I love that. That is Paul talking there about those churches' partnership with him in his mission work, and about how it was not merely obligation to them. It was a true honor, and not in some platitudinal way, in a very real and tangible way. It was an honor for them to give to missions, even when it was hard, maybe especially when it was hard. And that reminds me. That reminds me that I am really grateful to be a part of a church that has exhibited, I think, that same attitude so many times in its history. I really think that Memorial Road has upheld this tradition of excelling in the grace of giving throughout the years, and we have a great opportunity to do that again next week in truly unique and, yes, difficult circumstances. I want us to think about that this week. Let's pray about that. This week, And let's remember that God moves both in and through times of great disruption. And let's remember that we have men and women present in places all over the world, standing ready to walk through doors of opportunity that will be unique to this moment in time. And it is our honor, it is our job as a church to joyfully support and encourage that presence. And so I want to get practical with you for just a few minutes, if I can, We've got some great ways to do exactly that in the next few days. John Wilgus and Phil talked a little bit about this last week. I want to share some additional detail with you. First of all, obviously, we are going to be collecting our 18th annual Mission Sunday special contribution next Sunday, September 27th, and there are several ways that you can make that offering. You can do that right here in the parking lot. If you're worshiping with us, we're going to have some Mission Sunday giving stations, baskets set up around the parking lot. So you can actually bring a physical check or cash or whatever and put that in those offering stations. You can do that here in the parking lot. You can always give online. Mrcc.org mission Sunday has a special give button already set up. So you can do that anytime. And by the way, that's also where you can see our full list of items that we'll be supporting in this year's Mission Sunday contribution. We're not focusing as much on a specific goal this year. God's going to bless what you give in these times, but you can read about all of the many works all around the world that we'll be supporting in your giving next week. So you can do that online. You can bring your offering by the church building this week. You can mail it to 2221 East Memorial Road, or you can give your offering at our reverse parade, which will happen right after our worship. Come on up. Even if you're not worshiping in our parking lot with us tomorrow, we will have giving stations set up In our reverse parade, so drive on up from nine forty five to ten thirty. I'll talk a little bit more about this event in just a moment, but we'll have offering stations at the beginning and end of that parade route. However you do it, I hope that you'll be thinking about and praying about what you can give this week. Beyond that, though, we are offering multiple opportunities in the coming days to connect with and learn from and encourage our missionaries and missions partners. In the coming days, starting this afternoon, today, we have got a whole bunch of Zoom calls set up all throughout this week with our missionaries and our missions partners. This is going to be a really great and easy way for you to see the faces of the people that we support, that we are helping to do their work in places around the world, to hear what that work is like, to hear what life is like in their part of the world in these strange times. And just to encourage them by letting them know we're here and that we care about them, that we love them, and we appreciate what what they do very much. And so it's really simple. Again, that same address, mrcc.org slash Mission Sunday, or you can go to the MRCC app. You will find a link to a page of Zoom calls, a Zoom call schedule. And it'll have the date and the time and the Zoom link that anybody can join. These are open for anyone to join. So you can see that full calendar. And so this afternoon, we've got a back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. We've got 1, 2, and 3 o'clock, Vienna, Austria. We've got the Duttons in Campinas, Brazil, and we've got our partners, Health Talents International in Guatemala. I hope you'll join us starting today, and then it just rolls forward from there. Pretty much every day this week, we've got calls with Kenya, and New Zealand, and Ghana, and Croatia, and a lot more. And so I hope you'll make a point to do this. I know there's some Zoom fatigue out there. I get it. But this is important. And this is an easy way to hear more about what God is doing in different parts of the world and be an encouragement to the people that we partner with that are present in places all over the world. I really hope you'll make time to join several of these, maybe all of them. Go for the complete set. But it's going to be a good way to do that this week. Hear stories of how God is working in their part of the world. And then, like I mentioned just a minute ago, next Sunday, I'm excited, after worship, we are going to have a reverse parade, we're going to have a bunch of missions displays right back over here, kind of on the north side of the main building, along the west side of the summit, so you'll get in your car, you're going to drive through that, we're going to have big screens and live connections with our missionaries, so that you can wave and say hi as you drive by, they can do the same thing for you as they see you drive by, you may want to put a poster up. Say hi. We've got some samples of this. Our children's ministry has been making these this past week. We've got some extra supplies and instructions up here, so go grab a poster kit on your way out of the parking lot. Anyone can do it. Bring those back next week and make some signs to hold up for our missionaries next week. I think it's going to be unique and fun. Our youth group's going to be helping out. Our teenagers are going to be doing some fun things For the cars, as you wait in the line to go through, yes, it's going to take a little bit longer to get out of the parking lot. So what? This is for a good cause. It's going to be fun, and it's going to be a great way to encourage not only us about all of the different people and places we support, but to encourage our missionaries as well. Let them know we care about them. So make some extra time next Sunday morning to drive through our reverse parade. And even if you're not here with us here in the parking lot come on up afterwards, 9.45 to 10.30. That's why we wanted to do it as a drive-through, so anyone can join us in your car. Just come on up and be a part of that. Okay, that's a lot of information, but that's a lot of really good ways that you can jump in and get involved. Let's get back to what it's all about. Why all of this detail? Why all of these plans and preparations? Why do we partner with those who are present? Justin and Jennifer Cherry, who are our missionaries in Auckland, New Zealand, they answer that question when they tell the story of Danny. Here's what Justin wrote to me. He said, we met Danny during the first year we moved here. He's a proud Samoan man who grew up in some really rough circumstances. By the age of 14, he had gotten a woman pregnant. By 15, he was kicked out of his house. He struggled with drugs, alcohol, and abuse. When he was 18, he fell in love. Soon, his girlfriend was pregnant. But she lost the baby, and then she committed suicide. Danny moved to Russia for a few years and got into a whole lot of trouble. And it was after his own failed suicide attempt that Danny decided he needed change in his life and moved back to New Zealand. You can't be around Danny for too long before you realize how amazing he is. He has a big personality, and he loves people in a big way. We hung out with Danny almost every week for more than a year. Danny didn't much show any interest in Jesus. But we felt like God was telling us we needed to stay with him. So we helped him out where we could. We mentored him. We became good friends with him. Now, Danny's the type of person that will help you out with anything. And as a big Samoan man, he's definitely the kind of person that you want on your side in messy ministry situations. But still, one year in, and he had no desire to hear more about Jesus. But we felt God saying, be faithful to the people I have put in your care. Now, let me stop there for a second. That is the story of someone who is staying near to the chariot. Danny has endured a lot in his life, and Justin and Jennifer don't know exactly where their relationship with him is going at this point. But they felt called to be near him, to be present in his life. That was their role in Danny's life, and it was enough. It was enough. Now I want you to listen to Justin as he tells the rest of this story. For those of you who are watching with us online, you're gonna see Justin. Uh, For those of us in the parking lot, we're gonna hear his voice. And so let's watch and listen right now.
1: Well, a year after knowing Danny, Danny asked us if we'd meet him for brunch one morning. So we showed up on a Saturday morning, meeting Danny for brunch. And we sit down to order our food and Danny says, well, congratulations. And we said, well, what for Danny? He goes, well, for one year, I've been testing you to which shocked us. We had no idea we were being tested. He said, for one year, I've listened to you and I've watched you and I wanted to know, do you really believe this stuff about Jesus you're talking about? And when you told me that no matter if I decided to give my life to Jesus or not, we would still be friends and we'd still hang out. And I just wondered, was that actually true? Well, he goes, for one year, I've been testing you and I can say, you guys are the real deal. So congratulations passed my test now can we study the bible and that's all it took being patient and waiting on god to work and act it was excruciating at times it was uh there were times when we wanted to give up two months after studying with danny he gave his life to jesus and was baptized
0: isn't that awesome isn't that a great story i mean amazing Justin goes on to say from there that Danny has since relocated to a different part of New Zealand, but he's an active leader in his congregation there, and so God's story continues to be spread. And that is why, that, that's precisely why we want to partner with people who are present, because there is absolutely no substitute for what Justin and Jennifer were able to offer Danny and others like him in Auckland, New Zealand. God used their proximity and their presence in Danny's life to change it. And isn't it also amazing to realize that stories like that one don't exist just in the context of Auckland, New Zealand, because a church that supported Justin and Jennifer Cherry thousands of miles away is every bit as much a part of that same story, and that's God's plan in action. It's Philip and the Ethiopian all over again in a modern setting, and it's not a standalone story either. Justin sent that to me when I sent out a request to a bunch of our missionaries to send me stories of how God has worked through their presence and proximity to the people in their life, in their setting. And so I got back some amazing stories. You need to read those stories as well. So one more time, I'm going to dra- drive you to that same location. You can go to the app or you can go to mrcc.org Mission Sunday, and you're going to see a page of stories from our missionaries, stories of presence and proximity and how God works through that. And you'll see pictures and read about people like the Odongo family in Kenya, and Alex and Magda in Brazil, and Mariella in Cuba, and Priscilla right here in Oklahoma City, and Tomislav and Morella in Croatia, and a lot more. And so I want you to go read about how God is working through you. He's working through you by working through the people that you support who are near chariots around the world. Of course, as we look at the story of Philip in the Ethiopian. We'd be leaving an awful lot of application on the table if we stopped right there. Certainly, we do want to partner with the Phillips of our day, but we also have to read this story through the lens of our responsibility in our own context. It is essential, but it is not enough to support missionaries who are over there. We also have a personal call to missions right here with the people who are in our own circle of influence and so in addition to partnering with others in mission we want to be present on purpose ourselves be present on purpose i'm guessing most of you have seen the movie forrest gump if you haven't seen that movie or just as a reminder forrest when he's growing up when he's little his best friend is a girl named jenny and i'm tempted to do the voice for you i'm not going to do the voice for you today best friend's girl named jenny they're kind of thick as thieves always together and Jenny has a hard life. Bad things happen to Jenny. As they grow up, Jenny moves away. She ends up making a lot of bad choices, finds herself in a lot of bad situations. The forest is always there for her. He's always available. And his love, his concern for his friend, it's always very clear. It's always very pure. He shows up when she needs him, when she needs someone there, and he tells her how much he cares about her. Even when they're, not in, when they're not in close proximity and even when Ginny doesn't want Forrest around, she knows that he's available and that he's there for her. And so towards the end of the movie, when Ginny doesn't have anywhere else to go and life throws a big final obstacle at her, where does she turn? Well, She goes back home to Forrest because she knows beyond the shadow of a doubt that there's one person who will always be there who will always be available and ready to meet her wherever she is. And that is the power of presence. I want to put it in the form of a question that every single one of us can ask ourselves today. Whose chariot are you staying near? Whose chariot are you near? Who is it that is in your life in some way that needs to know Jesus? And can you sense the very same spirit that spoke to Philip in Acts chapter 8 urging you to be near, to be present, to stay close to that person or those people. We all know, especially in 2020, that when we talk about being near, that doesn't necessarily mean physical proximity. Yes, that's the ideal in most cases, but if this year of disruption has taught us anything, it's that there are multiple modern and creative ways to stay near to people, calls and Zooms and notes and texts and drive-throughs and care packages, and all kinds of things. And yes, those are imperfect substitutes most of the time, but they also let our ability to be near people extend beyond the normal and traditional borders. And since we know that the story of Christianity shows us how God's kingdom can thrive in times of great disruption, well then, our presence in people's lives is more important than ever, even if we have to lean into some different ways of doing that point is, however it happens, we are called to stay near to the chariots that God has placed in our path. And maybe in doing that, you're just like Philip. You know, maybe you don't know exactly what comes next. You don't know what door might open. You don't know what circumstance might occur that presents a unique and natural opportunity to have a conversation about faith or about God. I mean, you may get an immediate and very clear opportunity to have a conversation with someone about Jesus and see results from that right away. You may never get to see that person turn towards God, but you also know that those things are not in your control. Those things are not your job. Your job is to be present, and you know you can do that. You can make sure that other person knows beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are near and you're available and you're a friend no matter what that that presence comes without caveats or without conditions. You're not there for the stats. You are there to represent God well. And the cool thing about it is that even though missional, truly missional presence is not transactional in any way, the cool thing about it is that it's exactly that kind of presence, that nearness that is going to afford us the natural chance to talk about Jesus. And that's really the final lesson for us to take today from this story. Missional presence positions us to talk credibly about Jesus. You know, Philip followed a very simple instruction to stay near a chariot. He didn't know for how long. He didn't know what he would need to do after that, but he was there, and he was present in the life of a man who happened to be curious about God's Word. And when Philip saw that, he was quick to see the opportunity that God was giving him, and he acted on it. He didn't hesitate. He asked if he could be helpful. He climbed up in the chariot at the man's invitation, of course, and he talked about Jesus because Jesus is good news and God did the rest from there. Philip was able to baptize that man along that very road. We have to want to be present in people's lives so that we can be an influence for them, for Jesus. We can do that by partnering with those who are present in other places. And we can be present on purpose. We can place ourselves near to a chariot, present for the person we're alongside no matter what, but always ready to climb up and to talk about Jesus.